Hey, I just uh, will begin by saying I'm glad you're here. Um, quite an interesting morning. I, thought, I heard on the news that there was uh, rain ice, so I thought I'd go and check it out. So I walked out our back door on the steps, and on the first step did this uh, um, matrix kind of a thing <laughs> where uh, I didn't win and uh, ended up flat on my back. And during part of that thinking, I'm going to the ER. <laughs> that, but uh, I'm glad I made it. Glad you're here, even on a kind of an ugly winter day. Um, hey, I'll just want to start with this uh, because I've actually talked to a few of our leadership. Something's happening here. Uh, something is happening here. And there's a number of reasons I would say that. Um, one of the things specifically, I, I would just want to kind of, maybe you weren't expecting is, something's happening on our walls in this building. Um, and it's happening on purpose. And I want to take you there just for a moment. Uh, first, uh, what's happening in our lobby. Uh, we have posted up in our lobby walls uh, the beginning of the story of what this church is about. And it has our four pillars, we call them, unashamed adoration, unapologetic preaching, uh, unafraid witness, unceasing prayer. And those are the things here that we view as kind of four pillars that are our ministry foundation. That's what holds up what's happening here coming out of God's word. Um, then you move from the lobby and now you come in and you come in and we're beginning to build out these uh, W statements on our wall, these three W. We have two of them up right now and uh, it's continuing the story. And what's happening on the wall is, is in here is kind of telling who we are and how we do ministry. And let me kind of carry it this way. If you or anyone were to come into the front of the doors, uh, I'm thrilled that our four pillars are out there letting you know who we are. Um, whether it's a UPS guy or gal, whether it's you on a Sunday visiting or a friend or family, we just want that out there. That, that's who we are. And then when you come in here, I'll be talking in the next couple of weeks a little bit more. There's a pattern with what's happening with these walls. So it's kind of off of that foundation we're coming in here and we're gathering around. And by the way, I want for you to know that where you're sitting and where you're looking, what we want to have is the, the first W that we've talked about is worship Christ. That's the first thing that's going on in here because that's what this is all about. And so even there's a thing for you, just so you know as time moves along, even where you're sitting, there's something going on here. We're trying to press into us about that. And uh, these walls really tell much about how we function as a ministry uh, with the W's with it. Um, I've been taking these recent Sundays to, uh, to dive into this. And the reason is if you're new with us or visiting with us, I want for you to understand, next month it begins our 10-year anniversary. And uh, March 11th is kind of that. But we're going to be using the whole month just to celebrate what the Lord has done. And so right now I'm in this series that's kind of building up to that. Uh, I mean, mentioned our church family that oftentimes people lose themselves in themselves uh, they lose themselves in God's blessing. And I want to just take these six weeks here before we enter March and just drive ourselves and remind ourselves who we are and what we do here. And uh, we are doing that with e building a W two weeks at a time. The first week with each of those pairs is kind of the biblical theology behind that. Uh, the second week is very pragmatic, and I want for you to know that today you are in the second week of Walk with Christ. Today is, uh, I would just say it straight up, today is not really a sermon, if you want to call it that. Today is almost more like a, a time in a class together, or a time, if you will, sitting almost in my office, or us having coffee together, and if you were to ask, so how do you guys seek to do Walk with Christ uh, this is going to be very functional today and out of the norm, I just especially if you're visiting with us, so that you know that. But we've covered worship Christ. It's a doxology thing. Uh, it's for the glory of the Lord. That's what this place is about. First and foremost is the glory of the Lord. Not the glory of me, not the glory of you, not the glory of this building, not the glory of anything. This is about the Lord Jesus Christ and the glory of him and him alone. That's what we are about, right? Amen. 
Absolutely. And uh, we talked a couple Sundays ago about pragmatically, how do we do that? And I was just kind of pulling together this, hey, we do that. We make more of Christ. We make more of him uh, by uh, making much and more of scripture, by making much and more of song, and by making much uh, of prayer. And by doing that, that's driving us towards who Christ is and uh, what he is about and uh, worship Christ. And then last Sunday, we began walk with Christ. Uh, It's an abiding thing. It's an abiding thing. We walked through that term, walk with Christ in reverse order, Christ, and then with, and and then walk. Um, In that, uh, I'll tell you, it was really an interesting Sunday for me. Every so often, there's some Sundays where it's like, whoa, something just connected there that maybe I wasn't even expecting what was going on. Uh, But let me just touch on this for a moment again, is the abiding Um, There is a thing about uh, walking with Christ that we'll talk about a little bit later. Uh, We are great at being busy for Christ. I'm not so sure all the time we're so great at abiding with Christ. Just ask Martha. Martha, Martha, you're anxious about so many things. Uh, with that. Uh, just come sit down. And I use the illustration out of John 15 of abide with me, the vine and the branch, uh, the branch and the vine. And, you know, in the Middle East, they don't have oak trees, maple trees, or trees like we have here. Uh, so a vine is more the image that would be used there. But here we have more trees than vines. And so it, it's the kind of thing where I was making the illustration, we're the branch out of John 15, and, and in it being the goofball, you know, kind of like in the illustration of it, this is the branch. And when I receive Christ as my Savior, I am put into the trunk of the tree. Say it this way, hey, Christ followers, we are to be tree huggers, okay? That's what John 15 is about. We're to be tree huggers. Christ is the trunk of the tree, and when we come to know Christ as our Savior, we are like jumping on and hugging that tree. And But here's what ends up happening. In that illustration of John 15, abiding, we get so all caught up in all the, the, the limb stuff happening, the, the, how, the, the leaves growing and how much fruit, and, and we compare you know, our branch to the other branches around and what's going on. And John 15 is saying, listen, think about it. Process back through the branch. What's going on? Everything that's happening in the branch is what's happening when the, where the branch is connected to the trunk. Right there is what's taking place. That's John 15. That's abiding. Colossians 2, 6, and 7. Just as you receive Christ Jesus as the Lord, just as you tree-hugged Christ as the Lord, uh, grow in him, walk in him, deepening your roots in him, built up in him, strengthened in the faith. The branch is all about what happens right there. Okay, And we get so caught up out here and we lose sight of what's happening right here. The branch is all about what's happening right where the branch meets the trunk. In fact, this next picture I saw this week of a, of a section, cross-section of a tree. I've got to tell you, that preaches right there. Why does that preach? Because look at that branch. That branch looks like it is actually like drilled into the trunk. That's John 15. That's what it's talking about, where over time, branches grow slowly. That's why it's walk. It's not a race. It's not a sprint. It's a walk, and and trees and branches in trees grow slowly, and yet over time, do you see how that's just drilled in? I love that image. That's John 15. That's what walking with Christ is about and what it looks like. Well, today, uh, we're about how we functionally go about as a church um, um, drilling in to the Lord. Um, as I said, this is not really a sermon as much as it is a, a time for us just to converse together about three main things that I've kind of pulled together on how we do the pragmatics of walking with Christ here, okay? So let me pray and let's get started. God, we need your help um, because this is all about you and us drilling into you And uh, would you help us? Uh, Would you draw our affections to you right now? Or some may be coming this morning burdened and heavy laden. And uh, God, I do. I ask that they bring it right here, right now. And yet we put it right before you. And we get refreshed and renewed by who you are. And what it looks like to abide in, to walk with you. Make this all about you. Help me to communicate well. 
we are glad that you are the king of the universe. Amen? Amen. Well, how do we go functionally about here um, doing walk with Christ? Number one, we preach real. Um, If I were to pull this together, one of the first things I would talk about is that. We preach real. And by the way, I don't mean just hear me right now. Um, All the others have a P to them. And in seminary, like that's the way you're supposed to? No, so I'm just having fun. Um, but we preach real. I'm talking about our preaching and our teaching, whether it's happening in here, whether it's happening in our children's ministry, with our student ministries, whether it's happening um, in our small groups, whether it's happening outside of your, in your family. Uh, we preach real, and there's two aspects of that. We, we preach and teach here real, And if you will, we preach, let's be real. Okay, like let's be real in all of this. Um, And we purposely seek to do preaching and teaching that's real. Um, The preaching and teaching that we desire to have take place here as a church is the idea that we are on a journey together with Christ. So a lot of my life I grew up kind of sitting in your seat and through a good part of my adulthood Uh, back in my business days, sitting in your seat and sitting there and feeling like the guy up front, whether that was at church or whether that was in a Sunday school class or whatever that was, like they're the ones that had their act totally together. And if I could just be like him, I cannot tell you how that scares me to death right now. Because I am on a journey with you, okay? And so for me, I want for you to know that where I come from, and even just my sermon prep on things is, this is first and foremost about God's word drilling into me, okay? Um, So I don't start with, okay, what do these people need to hear? I just don't start there. Um, I don't start with what great oratory sensation can I bring. I don't start with how can I teach you all I know. I just don't, that's not, if you know me well, that's not who I am anyway in it. Um, We are here together to dive into God's word. And today's a little bit different. We're kind of not doing that because we're having this conversation, family conversation here today with that. But, but this is the thing. Listen, I want to be, and I want for you to be, because I realize, that by nature, I'm a timid guy, and I've come to realize that the, just the nature of my role here, if I'm not this, you're likely not going to be this. And as much as that wigs me out, I just have to get over and put on the big boy pants and acknowledge it. And, and so in it, it's the kind of thing with this. Listen, if, whether you are teaching in children's ministries or to our students, whether you are teaching in here or, or in small group, If God's word has not been drilling into you, you are not in the place to drill it into other people. Okay? And that's where I come from. I want, and I'm honored that I get to be able to kind of be paid to spend a few days a week, about two and a half days a week, diving into God's word and digging out of it. And I want for you to know, and it's not a pat on my back, but it's just learning over time, that the whole thing of preparing something for you is not the first and foremost thing. It's got to come out of a life that God's word has changed, and I want to be that in front of you, uh, not to pat myself on the back, but to be an example throughout. And we want that to be the case in your homes, amen? With all of that. That's what we are about. We are about preaching real here. No one has arrived. No one has arrived. We are all on the journey. And if you've been part of a church where the idea is that everyone's arrived, and then silently you know you're not that one, it's a horrible place to be. So we're just straight up, we're not that. We're all growing and changing here. There's no Jedi masters to lowly Padawans. It's all of us together. Um, With that, I've come to realize it's harder to preach real. It's harder and it's heavier. It's easy to preach at people. Parents, it's easy to preach at the kids. Kids, amen? 
they're afraid. Um, it's easy to do it. Like, you need to. I'm just going to tell you, it's easy to prepare it that way. It's easy to preach and uh, teach biblical data to people, like we're some kind of Bible Jeopardy program here. So you can fill out the blanks, and whoever can have the mind to answer the odd questions are, are the most spiritual ones. I got to tell you, I do not have a mind like that. I do not have a mind. I don't think that way. I don't process that way. I don't retain data that way. And for so much of my life, people like my wife who could retain the data, I had a bad attitude towards them. We'll just say it that way. (laughs) Because I couldn't. But it's not about biblical data. It's also, it's easy to preach and to teach biblical guilt. It's easy to take people to that place. And I'll say this, it's also easy to preach and to teach for people. Just read your Bible more and pray more. By the way, last Sunday, talking in Abiding with Christ, um, I hope I left you um, wondering what that even looks like. See, that would be the place where at that point in time, that's commonly the place where what you end up doing is you end up going, hey, Just read your Bible more and pray more, and then you will abide in Christ more, right? That's generally the answer, because in high school, that was always the answer for us. You know, hey, I got questions about dating, or hey, I got questions about God. Just read your Bible and pray more. And I was like, okay, I am about reading your Bible more. Know that. I am about his prayer more. That's one of the things I'm working on this year, and I've told you about in my own life this year. But hey, when it's just thrown out like that's the answer for everything, I've got to tell you, people are left needing more help. Not that the Bible doesn't provide the help, but they don't know what to do with that because it's being looked at as just an answer book. Instead, we want to abide in Christ and press in what that is. And I will tell you, teaching or Uh, leading or preaching or facilitating from a place that's real is hard and heavy. It's vulnerable. It's naked. It's lonely. It can be scary. It can be embarrassing. And frankly, it can even be used against you. But it's biblical. Can you prove it, Doug? I'd love to. Jesus. How did Jesus do ministry? And you don't have to turn there, kind of, you can write it down for future. But uh, if you go to Matthew 4, you'll take a look and find out that Jesus, when he first meets the disciples, as he's like picking them up one by one as this is going on, what does he call them to? Well, I know what he calls them to. When he's picking them up and he's asking them, he invites them to his lectures. No. He invites them to his seminary. No. He invites them to join his podcasts. Uh, No. Um, He invites them to a seven-step program. No. By the way, nothing's wrong with programs. Nothing's wrong with podcasts. What does he do? He invites them to follow me. Just like, come on. Follow me and I will make you. Uh, Friends, I have to tell you, it's far easier to preach at than it is to have a follow-along. Following along takes time, it takes effort. People are messy. We're messy. And following along, it means that life has to be rearranged and done differently. Follow me. Man, that's life on life. That's side by side. You go to the Sermon on the Mount, Matthew 5 through 7. Jesus is preaching there. I'll tell you, it's so real. It's just so unlike the preaching of the day by the Pharisees. And when he, if you go through the Sermon on the Mount, you'll find he is so real about blessings. He is so real about living as salt and light. He is so real about anger. He is so real about lust and about divorce. He's so real about the needy. He's so real about loving your enemies. He's so real about get the speck out of your own eye before getting all hogtied about this uh, 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 stuff in others' eyes. He preaches real. And he doesn't do it to crush people. And he doesn't do it to punish people. He does it in such a way that is inviting people. 
into a new understanding of what a relationship with the Lord looks like. Is he convicting? Absolutely. But in a way to draw and to pull and to encourage. And I'll tell you, he nails it. He nails it. The Lord preaches real. Also, I'll note in John chapter 8, the woman in the adulterous relationship. <laughs> Where's the guy in that? <laughs> Such a scam. Hey, the scribes and the Pharisees, John 8, are told where they are all circled around her, ready to stone her. They've all got rocks in their hands, ready to take her out because of her situation. What does Jesus say? If I could say it in my own words, he says, Hey, let's get real. Who here's never sinned? That's real. Am I right? That is real. And what do you hear? You hear thud, 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 and the rocks are dropping and they walk away. And then he turns around and he gets real with a gal. It is the sweetest, coolest thing. It would have been so easy just to say, let him rip, take her out. But that's not who Jesus is. Paul in Acts 21 and 22, he's arrested. He speaks to the people and he starts with real. He starts with who he is. I was zealous for God, persecuting and imprisoning Christ followers. And then he basically tells about, and then Jesus put me face down. And then you go to Acts 26. He's before Agrippa and he does the same thing. Rather than bringing out all his attorney talk about how he got ripped off uh, in, in the process of it all, what does he do? He, he tells his own story of what's going on in his life and how God has changed his life. And then I think of 1 Thessalonians 2.8. My verse. I'll mention it a little bit later, so just quickly. It says, I loved you so much that I was delighted to share with you not only the gospel of God. Well, friends, do you understand how profound that statement is? You know, people say, all people need is the gospel. And they do. But the Apostle Paul says, listen, I did not only share the gospel. He did share the gospel, but there was something in addition to sharing the gospel. What was that? It was the next statement. I shared my life with them. It is not just about dumping data on people. It is about the gospel of Jesus Christ. The gospel is Jesus Christ. And it is about your life in the process of all that. And it seems as though in my own experiences, I've watched ministry, and especially church ministry, and from my seat, if you will, and sometimes from other people's seat, watching them in it, that sometimes it's like so about sharing life that the gospel is like not even there, or it's so much about the gospel where it's like, give me some life, man. And if the apostle Paul said, out of loving, by the way, real quick, out of loving you, he didn't even know them. He didn't have a lovey-dovey, huggy a kissy relationship with them. He theologically loved them. Why? Because the Lord loves people. And Paul is saying, I loved you, not because I know you. I loved you because you are people and the Lord cares for people. So I care for people. I love people. I love people. And out of that, I shared the gospel, the good news of Jesus Christ with them. And not only that, but I shared my life with you. And then it finishes, verse 8, and you became so dear to me. It is out of doing what's theologically right, sharing your life in the gospel with people, that you come to love people. And we have it backwards. We think oftentimes, I have to feel really lovey-dovey with you, then I'll share the gospel, and then there will be love. And it's the opposite. It's like, I don't even have to know you to share my life and the gospel with you. And I know that when I do that, I will grow in a deep, deep love for you. That's sharing your life. And we want to do that. Oh, I get fired up about this stuff. We preach real. Not just here but everywhere. Let me just hit, hit, hit a final couple things with that. It's not just the preaching. It's the idea of, let's just be real. By the way, do you know that everyone around you in the room here is broken? I mean, seriously, do you really know that? 
may go, yeah, I know that up here, but no, I'm talking about how we then do life. Do you know that the people around you and in front of you will fall and fail? They will. Oh, certainly, including this seat. Do you know that the people around you will disappoint you? Not if, they will. Do you know that the people around you are fighting discouragement? And do you know that the people around you, as time's gone on, I've come to realize we're just goofballs. The people around you and me, including you and me, are afraid of being found out who we are for real. That's being real. Let's be real. This room is filled with broken and busted people. See if I can make my way through this. My doctoral project included uh, leading a small group of 17 men from our church here. Some of the best men here. Um, being real personally, I had some, uh, some hits at bat in leading that test small group, and I had some strikeouts in it. That's what test groups are for. By the way, my project will be available here, I think, in a couple weeks once that gets finished out by the school. But one of the assignments I gave in that to the guys um, was that they anonymously write out what would be reasons or circumstances that they would be tempted to go dormant. Thesis of my project. Men have a tendency to pull away from a relationship with the Lord and others when things get hard. And uh, I received their responses, and I didn't look at them for at least a couple weeks. I have a very strict process. My background is R&D, and I have a very strict process on when I could look at certain things because you can manipulate your data and how your process of it and didn't want to do that. And so it was the, the Monday before uh, I was com- going to compile that information together, and I was going to present it to all the guys for them, just be able to see, it's all anonymous, so I didn't know who it was, and they didn't know who it was. And I was floored. Not surprised. Maybe some. Maybe I actually was some surprised by the depth of hurt, disappointment, and discouragement that was going on. In fact, I was stunned and encouraged. Because being real, it was a point in time for me, I was so discouraged. I was at a, I just want to quit. My program, I was just there. And I'm there, fearful that anyone knows that I'm there. And then I'm looking at these going, oh my word, our best guys are there with me. And then I kind of got mad. Why didn't you tell me, man? I went home that afternoon Monday. Slept for three hours in the afternoon. I never nap. My wife and I, I was just shot to the core. And in it, it's just like, why are we all faking this? Let's just get real. Let's like cut the baloney and like let's understand, let's be real and stop being so afraid. So I am committed to continue preaching real. 
Let's be real. Amen? Let's be real. Second, we program light. We program light. If we want to be a church that is about uh, pressing the abiding with Christ, uh, we need to be a church that presses being real, and we need to be a church that programs light. In fact, if you were to go and you were to write out our ministry programs here, you would pretty much walk away and go, wow, they don't have very many ministry programs here. And you're right. And compared to most churches, that's definitely the case. Not because we're mad about it, but because we are about abiding. And over the years, I have come to see in me and in people, in God's people and in churches, that activity, activity, activity oftentimes replaces abiding. And activity for Christ is translated as abiding with Christ. But activity for Christ does not necessarily mean abiding with Christ. It can just be busy, busy, busy for Jesus, Martha, Martha, and low on actually abiding in Christ. And so I'm going to say we have over our history, we have been programmed light on purpose, not mad about it. Oh, I, I hope today I'm not coming across mad about things. I'm just, I am intense. <laughs> I don't want to be mad about things. We're not that kind of church. I don't want to be that kind of church. But we have decided to be program light, especially at this time in our history, in these early years of history. So we seek to, to develop the DNA that is about digging into Christ, not just activity for Christ. Jesus in Matthew 7, 21. Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven, but the one who does the will of my Father. Listen to this, though. And he goes on to say, on that day, on judgment day, many will say to me, Lord, Lord, did we not prophesy in your name, cast out demons in your name, and do mighty works in your name? What's that? That's busy, busy, busy. For the Lord, even in the name of the Lord. And what does Jesus respond? Jesus' respond is, as I will declare to them, I never knew you. Busy, busy, busy for Christ does not necessarily equate to even relationship with Christ. In a former church I was on staff with, uh, I remember with some new additions, uh, we were getting ready to add 142 new programs. That's on top of what was. And listen, God was doing a work there, and I'm not trying to, to trash talk that, but I am just saying, hey, here at this church, we've decided that's not who we are. We want to drill in abiding with as opposed to just activity, activity, activity. Paul, in Philippians chapter 3, he was all active about God, a Hebrew of Hebrews, zealous for the Lord, righteous and blameless under the law. But he goes on to essentially say, but I didn't know Christ. Martha, Martha, Luke 10. You are anxious and troubled about many things, but one thing is necessary. And we can be busy, busy, busy about all the good things. I'm not even saying that they're bad things. They're good things, helping people, loving on people, wonderful things, and they're, they're, they're good things. In fact, Martha was doing things that probably needed to be done. They weren't sinful things. They weren't wrong things. If the fact is, is in the busyness of it all, she lost sight of, oh my word, I have a chance to talk to the Lord right now. Think about it a week later. So you, you meet Mary, and you're talking with Mary, and, and say, hey, Mary, I heard you were hanging out with Christ last week. Yeah, it was awesome. I am telling you. I'm sure she used awesome in there. I'm telling you. And we got to talk, and I got to hear and listen. It was incredible. Hey, Martha, what about you? Oh, it was awesome. I mean, the, the glasses were cleaned, and the, the, the food was there. Do, do you see what I'm saying? She wasn't doing anything sinful. As I said last Sunday, I am a Martha. I love doing things. And I love doing things with my hands. But stop it. 
and sit down and abide. And I am not going to say, pray more, read your Bible more. Because we have this way of making that the to-do list. We're thinking wrong. We're even thinking about prayer and scripture wrong. By nature, we chase shiny objects. By nature, we stack and compare. By nature, we think activity with is equal to relationship with. By nature, we view Martha types as the ones Jesus would be most excited about. Let me say that again. By nature and culture, we view those that are really crazy busy as having the most potential. as having achieved the most. And maybe they're just busy, busy, and the Lord is like, would you please stop for a little while? Busy, busy for Christ does not mean walking with Christ. So part of what we've been doing over the years is trying to spare ourselves from ourselves. We are program light. As time goes on, we may increase. In the next couple of weeks, I'll be telling you how part of what comes out of this is we empower you. It doesn't have to be a church-structured thing. But I'm getting into the next two weeks. Last item. Number three, we press together. Um, again, if, if you were to ask me what are three things that kind of describe, define how you guys go about the doing of ministry here at Harvest Bible Chapel. If you were to look behind the ministry curtain, these three things would be, we preach real, we program light, and we press together. Um, we press together. We want people together, and we also press being together. Uh, because walking with Christ is not an individual sport. And yet we live in a culture that is all about individualism. By the way, added on top of that, theologically, sin separates. See, God had designed us originally to be in perfect relationship with Him and perfect relationship with people. And then sin came into the picture. What did sin end up doing? Sin ends up breaking relationship. Relationship with the Lord and relationship with people. Because you find in the next chapter of Genesis, after the fall of uh, sin, uh, sin coming into the picture, you find murder with brothers. Uh, sin breaks relationship with the Lord and horizontally as well. And yet God in his kindness and in his grace has called us back to him and has called us back to be people that are loving one another. That are loving people. In fact, John 13, the chapter right before the whole abide conversation. Jesus, and it's in the whole movement of the conversation. Don't let the chapter marks break up the actual conversations. And, and Jesus says to the disciples, a new commandment, not a new suggestion, a new commandment that I give to you, that you love one another, that you agape one another, that you 1 Corinthians 13 one another. Just as I have loved you, you also are to love one another. By this, all people will know that you are my disciples if you have love for one another. Listen, the Lord commanded it. And on top of that, one of the things that's been big on my heart is um, the, the way that we oftentimes talk about evangelism. Evangelism has been talked about uh, over recent decades as a very individual thing. It's a train you to individually do evangelism. And, and I'm all for that. But something's missed. Something in it is missed. In fact, I think one of the things that is missed is the biggest thing of evangelism in God's design. And it's right here in this text. When God's people are actively loving one another in an agape, sacrificial kind of a way where they're coming together, pressed together, loving one another, listen, people will know. Evangelism happens out of God's people being God's people. 
And just like Americans, we do, we individualize everything. So it's more like, you go, do your, you go do your evangelism thing, you do yours, and you do yours, and you do yours, and do it whatever style. And it's like, come on, man, come on, let's pull it all back. Let's be God's people together, living it out, cranking it out for the Lord. And when we do that, God promises that he will do an outreach work. Press together, I'm telling you, it's not just a lovey-dovey thing, it's a God-commanded thing, and it's a thing that the Lord will use. And in fact, in Acts 2, it talks about in this unique time of redemptive history, uh, uh, it talks about they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship, to breaking of bread and prayer, and awe came upon every soul. Wonders and signs were done in this unique period of time. And all who believed were together and had all things in common. They're selling their possessions, they're loving on one another, and Day by day, attending the temple together and breaking bread in their homes together and they received their food and glad and generous hearts, praising God, having favor with all the people. And the Lord added to their number day by day those who were being saved. Why? Because the Spirit of God is already at work and then when God's people are functioning like God's people, those two things combined and people get saved. I want to tell you, evangelism is way easier than you and I are thinking. Let's just be God's people. I'm tired. <laughs> Last verse. Man, this is an all-out Sunday. Philippians 1.27, listen to this. To a church, only let your manner of life be worthy of the gospel of Christ so that whether I come to see you or am absent, I may hear of you that you are standing firm in one spirit with one mind, striving side by side for the faith of the gospel. By the way, the word in the Greek there that's used that side by side term, that was what Roman centurions would use in their battalions. And they would call this word out. And what it meant was is that they would all get side by side, lock arms, have a spear in one, shield in the other, locked and linked. And the Apostle Paul is using that illustration to say, listen, that's what God's people should be like. Linked and locked together for the common cause in the spiritual war that we have going on in this time of redemptive history. More of that in us, right? And I just want to lovingly, and I mean this lovingly, this is not a guilt statement, but I have to say it lovingly in this. And that means if you're sitting here right now and you're like, but I don't want to do that with other people, I just want to say this lovingly, get off yourself. Get off yourself. Because it's not about you. It's about the doxology, the glory of the Lord, right? And I'm not saying you have to be like everybody else. But I am saying straight up, get off of ourselves. Because it's not about us. Redeemed ones, we were designed to walk with Christ together. I need you. Not for a job. Not for my career. I need you. I'm a regular guy. I need you, and you need me, and we need each other. Kumbaya. <laughs> but that's biblical. And we live in a culture, and we have a nature that pushes that away. And I'm just committed to being one who is going to continue to be real, and that includes pressing us together. And last item I want to finish, for those of you who are pictures people, press together, uh, functioning in a church. Um, when I've done some teaching on this, uh, I think there in the image of it, there's three circles of every local church, three circles in every local church. A big circle, a middle circle, and a Small circle. <laughs> this is high tech. <laughs> Big circle. That's a large family gathering together. That's what we're doing right now on, on the weekend. That's a wonderful thing. It's coming together and we press together. This is a time to love on each other, to bring glory to the Lord and to serve and all of that. 
It's a wonderful big gathering thing. And, and whether it's a church of 50 or a church of 500 or a church of 5,000, that, that's the big circle of it. And then there's a middle circle. The middle circles are designed to kind of break that big circle down and to get more people together. And usually that's anywhere from 25 to 50 to 100 plus people to get them together. I'm just saying strategy in the designing of churches, that's one of the things you do. You want to break that down. And then the small circle is breaking that down even further. And that's anywhere from, you know, a couple to 15 or 20 people kind of a thing with that. Uh, that's how a church is. Now, I'll say this over just my observation is, is that uh, a church can really only have two circles as their main central things because otherwise they begin actually competing and confusing ministry with what happens. The majority of my life, adult life, I attended big, big circle, middle circle churches, and God used them tremendously in my life. This is not about which is right. This is about which, you, which are you as a church. And the large weekend gathering, and then it included ABFs or adult Sunday school classes and uh, programs and activities. And I'll just tell you, God used that greatly in my life, greatly in my life. And I'm so grateful for it, and a lot of churches continue to do that. Uh, here at Harvest, we aren't that. We are a big circle, small circle church. And that's just who we are at the core of it all. We have some periodic middle circle things like activities and we have picnics or events or conference like the women's just had a conference and we're all about that. But uh, where we've been and who we are, we are committed to staying as a big circle, small circle church. And the biggest reason for that is, is uh, even from before I was even a part of Harvest, Karen and I were just so intent about seeing people come on a smaller level to do life side by side and life together because when you're just doing it in a big pool, you can hide. And you may be involved, but you're not doing life on life. And so we're a big circle, small circle church. We've been that since day one. We are that to this day. And we will be. Past today. That's who we are. And that's what we do. Not mad about it. That's just the reality. But I do want to note one thing. Now that we're a thousand plus as a church, because we are just at that point, we are going to be uh, building out a little bit of our middle circle. Um, I think there are some things that uh, we're just at a place that it could help with. Uh, we're still a big circle, small circle church, um, but in the coming weeks and in the coming months, you're going to be hearing about some classes and some courses becoming available for us. Um, we already have Discover Harvest, we have Baptism class, we have a parent-child dedication class, that's going to be coming up here not too long with Father's Day, we do a parent-child dedication. But we also made reference this morning about the financial peace class, and again, if you're interested in that with some finances and help on that, uh, Michael's right back there, and you're welcome to connect with him, see the information and the update on that. It's going to be in their home, it's going to be nine Mondays, and it's an opportunity to do that. We're also going to be having some leadership classes as time goes on and some Christian essentials that uh, will probably take place on some Sunday mornings. We're going to be doing a systematic theology class and then we'll be doing a teaching methods and communication class on how to read your Bible and, and then a New Testament survey and an Old Testament survey class. We're filling in some of these things because we're, we're at a point now where we think we can do these and not get confusing. But we're a big circle, small circle church. And that's always been who we are. That's who we will always be because we want to press ourselves together. Well, part of what I've been doing today is putting some information on the table. Whether it all fits and works together, I'm not quite sure in your seat. It's kind of been in some ways a data dump Sunday um, with many of these things. But I'm all really wanting for you to understand as a church as we go into our 10-year anniversary month, uh, that's not just about the past 10 years. That's going to be the catapult for the next 10 years. And I want for us as a church just to understand more and more, when we talk about worship Christ, we really mean that. We're serious about Scripture, and we're serious about song, and we're serious about prayer, because those are the means that take us to the Lord. And we are serious about walking with Christ. In fact, we are so serious about it that, that, that it's, it's the kind of thing I'm willing to get real, you're willing to get real, Right? Let's get real with it, and let's be the kind of people that are real in our walk with Christ. And that means broken people redeemed through the work of Jesus Christ and pressing ahead together with that. 
That's who we want to be. That's who we've been. And we want to press more on that. So Lord, thank you for the time and a Sunday that's out of what a normal Sunday is here. God, how we do things is really important. Understanding how we do things, it really does matter. I actually think these are conversations, Lord, that your churches don't have almost ever. And oftentimes as a result, your people kind of walk along confused and not understanding. And one of the things in the book of Corinthians you call God's people back to is to be a people of order and united together around that. And Lord, this is who we are. We believe that there are biblical reasons for it. We also believe that there are wisdom reasons for it. Other churches go about it uniquely and differently, and that's fine. But God, in this, may the structure not be the thing. May you be the thing. But yet, structure does drive us to you. So, Lord, I pray that we would be united around not forms and functions so much, but we would be united around the reality of pressing after you. God, I pray if there's anyone in this room this morning that is just at a point of grand discouragement as far as the relationship with you, I would pray that they would press into you and that they would press into your people. Because the Spirit of God shows up in the Word of God and in the people of God. We're excited about what's ahead, Lord. May it be purely about you, not about us. But may the who you are shine very brightly out of us. More for your glory, Lord. More for your glory. In Christ's name, amen.